Amazing. Good evening. I feel like it's good to just be down here with you all this evening, seeing as it feels like a more intimate group tonight. So it's great to be here. I'm Anna. For those of you that don't know me, I'm five weeks in and I'm loving being part of this community. Thank you for making me and my family feel so welcome. Uh, so when Jerry asked me to preach this evening a couple of weeks back, he just said, just, just preach what God puts on your heart. So no pressure there um, to come up with something meaningful. Um, but as I was preparing and thinking and praying about today, I really felt drawn to the story of Jacob, one of the most significant characters in the Bible, a character that many of us, I'm sure, will already be familiar with. And my heart was drawn towards Genesis 28, um, which is commonly known as the story about Jacob's ladder. And so that's what we're going to take a look at together this evening. And I'm just going to share some of the things that God um, put, um, put on my heart for us um, through that passage. But before we do that, I'd love us to just... Um, just take a moment to be still and maybe you just want to close your eyes and hold out your hands before you just as a symbol, as a sign that you are ready to receive afresh all that God would want to speak into your heart and into your life tonight. Father, I thank you that you're here, and I pray that you would help us to tune in to all that you want to do and to all that you want to say tonight. May we know the assurance that wherever we find ourselves on our journey this night, whether we feel close and connected to you, or whether we feel distant, Maybe we don't even know where we find ourselves, but thank you that you meet us where we are, just as we are. That we don't need to strive to reach towards you, to somehow get to you, but by your grace, you are here with us. Thank you that we have, as your children, your undivided attention and that your gaze is upon us right now. That your eyes never wander, never wander from your children. So I'm just going to read. Um, not all of Genesis 28, but you might want to open it just in front of you so that you have it there. Um, it's quite a long chapter, but I'm going to read kind of the main section that I'd love us to focus on tonight. So Genesis 28 verses 10 to 18. So Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord 
And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil upon it. And he called that place Bethel. And so there are just three points that I'd love to share with us tonight. And the first is that God is in our nowheres. That God is in our nowheres. In this passage, we find Jacob in the middle of a journey as he is traveling from Beersheba to Haran. Let me just give you a little bit of the backstory to give you some context. So Jacob is a twin and his twin brother is called Esau. And these two brothers didn't get along. Esau was a wild, hairy hunter and Jacob was a smooth-skinned introvert. Isaac was their father and Esau was Isaac's favorite son. And so he had the birthright as the eldest twin and would receive the blessing and be in charge of the family. One day Esau returned from hunting and Jacob asked him to give him his birthright in exchange for a bowl of stew. Jacob then tricked his father pretending to be Esau, trying to get this blessing. Esau understandably became very angry. Jacob had royally messed up, and so he fled this family drama. And so Jacob lands up in this nowhere place, somewhere along this journey that he's making. This place that he finds himself in has no name. It has no significance. It just happens to be the place that he chooses to lay his head for the night. I expect that he felt lonely I imagine that he must have felt incredibly uncomfortable as he lay his head upon this rock and certainly very isolated. Yet during his sleep, Jacob has this amazing encounter with God. God meets him powerfully and significantly in this place of nowhere. I wonder this evening, have you ever felt as though you have found yourself or even find yourself right now? in a place of nowhere, with seemingly no sense of significance or purpose. You find yourself in the place where you're just longing to get to the other side. You're just longing to get to that arrival point. You're longing to get to that which you hope for and dream of, that which you might be longing and waiting for, but, but yet you have not yet arrived. And you find yourself 
in this nowhere place, in the meantime, in this middle ground. I'd love to share um, my own story of feeling stuck in the middle of nowhere when I felt as though my life had been put on hold for a season. And back last year, I was off sick for um, a few months with a really bad back, with acute back pain. I had never experienced anything like it in my life before. And I felt like the enemy had just swiped me out and struck me down as I was stricken by this pain that just seemed to take over every part of me. I couldn't drive, I couldn't work, I couldn't really do very much at all. And when I woke in the morning, I was in so much pain that I was bent over double. And the only way to get rid of the pain was to walk to our local high street. And if I could just get myself to Costa, that was my goal every day. Um, But what would ordinarily be a seven-minute walk would maybe take me an hour or two as I walked and tried to push through the pain. And that Um, that consumed my days for what felt like a really long season. And it felt as though there was nothing that I could do to change the reality of this place that I found myself in, the pain that I was experiencing. And I cried out to God and said, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't understand. And maybe you can relate to that yourself this evening. Maybe you find yourself in a nowhere place, in a place that you don't understand. And you're crying out to God, I don't want to be here. I just want to get to the other side. What's remarkable about this story of Jacob is that God changes this place of nowhere, this place of no significance into a somewhere. Because he is Lord of our nowheres and God is all over our nowheres and God is faithful in that place of nowhere. And so this place of nowhere for Jacob becomes significant because of what God does. And he is seeing this vision of God in the midst of this really difficult, challenging time. And there will be times, I'm sure, in our lives where we find ourselves in situations that we can't change, that seem out of our control. Yet we can say to God in that place, I just need to know that you are here. And maybe things don't change immediately or quickly, but we know that he's there with us. It took a while for my healing to come. And by God's grace, he showed me that he was present and working in the middle of my nowhere. And when I stopped resisting and fighting and opened my eyes to see that perhaps God could still be working and moving in my life, my perspective changed. And I could see that my place of nowhere was becoming a place in which he was working and turning it into a somewhere. In this passage, Jacob's dream of this ladder with the angels ascending and descending is a a beautiful picture, I believe, of God's grace. That our encounters with him aren't dependent on us being in the right place at the right time or doing the right thing. But God encounters us purely from a place of his grace 
that abundantly pours out upon each one of us. God's power is not distant, but it's made, it's made present in the middle of Jacob's reality. This context of nowhere that Jacob finds himself in is deeply significant because it's not at Jacob's destination that God appears. It's not at his arrival point that God chooses to meet him. It's right in the middle of this nowhere place. And God says, in your nowhere, I am now here. Despite Jacob's mistakes, despite the fact that he was fleeing from this massive mistake, the way that he'd let his family down, God made a promise to Jacob, even in the middle of that screw up, in the middle of that difficulty. And he says, I will give you descendants as numerous as dust, spreading out in all directions. And God makes promises to Jacob. And he says, I am with you and I will watch over you and I will not leave you. So firstly, God turns our places of nowhere into his somewhere. Secondly, God is in our rest. And there might be moments in our lives where our circumstances force us to stop. And we might try and do everything in our power to push back and resist against that. But those places can often be sacred spaces. Jacob made the mistake of taking things into his own hands, trying to get this blessing that he thought he deserved. He stole his brother's blessing. He stole his brother's birthright. I wonder how many of us can relate to that, taking things into our own hands, trying to make things happen in our own strength. What's incredible about this story is that God encounters Jacob in his place of rest and sleep. And there's something about that, that place of sleep that where we're completely vulnerable, our defenses are down. And there's this sense that this sleep, that God meeting Jacob in his sleep is a sense of, a symbol of surrender, of giving up our will. And a sense that God might be challenging us here tonight to stop to stop striving and to be still maybe we've been pushing hard in our own strength maybe we've been performing and trying to achieve and trying to perfect maybe we're scared to stop maybe if we just keep busy if we just keep doing if we just keep running if we just keep on going then we can pretend that the stuff that's there isn't there. And maybe there's a fear around this place of rest and real stillness in God. That somehow if we stop running, if we stop hiding, if we stop being busy, that we'll begin to unravel and that God will meet with us by his power and that will change us. I believe that this story of how God spoke into Jacob's rest has something to teach us today in this contemporary culture that we live in, where we enjoy the efficiency and speed that these devices have brought 
promising to connect us in ways that we've never been connected before. Yet this constant digital connection can so easily impair our ability to be intentional about slowing down without distraction. It's almost as though without this thing in our hand, we're missing a limb and that we feel bereft without this constant connection. Our brains are now becoming almost hardwired to need the gratification of this next digital fix. We enjoy the temporal thrill of hearing our phone buzz, thinking, who is that that wants to connect with me? Yet this need within us to be distracted has, I believe, in many ways disabled us from being still, from being at rest. And I believe that, that God wants to challenge some of us this evening about what is it that we're connecting to? What is it that's influencing our lives? What is it that's shaping us? Maybe it is this thing in your hand. Maybe this is shaping who you are and who you're becoming more than God. Maybe it's something else that's distracting you. And God is calling us into this beautiful place, just as he did with Jacob, of rest and stillness and quiet. Seeing and savouring the glory of God changes us profoundly. And the glory of God is all around us, waiting to be seen and known. Everywhere this ladder stands, where angels are going continually up and down, up and down, bringing God's kingdom here to earth. Will we just stop for long enough? To look, to taste, to see, to hear, to understand. Finally, God is in our stories. I didn't read right to the end of the passage, um, but Jacob's response uh, to this encounter that he had was, look what the Lord has done, look what God has done, surely The Lord is in this place. And it leads, this encounter leads to a response. It leads to action. At the end of this passage, he says to the Lord, I will give you a tenth of everything that I have. This is my overflow. This is my response to who you are, that I give you my best. I give you my first. And Jacob marks the stone upon which he lay his head and he pours oil upon it. And he says, this will be a pillar. This will be a memorial to all that you have done. And, and the place, this place that was nowhere, is now given a name. And he names it Bethel because of what the Lord has done. I wonder what are the memorial pillars in your life? What are the things that you're building around you that keep pointing you to Jesus? That remind you of all that he's done. As we remind ourselves of all that he's done before, we know and trust and believe that he will do it again. What are your memorial pillars that you are building in your life that fuel your faith and that shape your response to how you choose to live? 
this very building that we find ourselves in tonight is a memorial pillar to all that God has done. And those of you that have been here right from the start of the journey, you know the time, the energy, the resource, the money that went into making this building what it is today. And as we stand here today, this is a memorial pillar to what God has done in this place. And I believe that we're in this season of stories, this season of stories where we're sharing the things that God is doing in our lives. And we've heard some of those stories today. And I want to encourage you to share your story. And maybe you're here tonight and you think, I don't really have a story to tell. But you do, because our places of nowhere become God's somewhere, the place in which he dwells. And our stories are our memorial pillars that we can build around us, that we can build around our church community and beyond bolster our faith and we build these stories around and in us so that they speak and tell of the God that we bear witness to. And he chooses to dwell amongst us. And he said, I want you to bear witness to who I am. And he's calling and inviting us in to keep sharing our stories. So our nowheres become his somewheres, his memorial pillars the place in which God dwells, the place in which he gives us a story to tell. I believe that God is stirring our hearts in this season that we're in as a church to have hearts that are full of faith. And that's why we tell these stories so that we might increase one another's faith, so that we might get a bigger vision of God and all that he wants us to do, all that he wants us to be in how we live for him. He's given us a taste, but there is more to come. And so my prayer for you tonight, if you're in the middle of that nowhere, is that God would come and show you that he makes your nowhere his somewhere, that you would feel challenged and inspired to carve out time to be still and to rest and to know that that is a good thing and that God doesn't want your striving, your busyness, your achieving, your performing. He just wants you. He just wants you and his gaze is always upon you. And may you have the confidence and the courage to share, not just in this community, with, but those that don't yet know Jesus. May you have the courage to share your stories and all that he's done in your life. Amen.